Hello, I'm Bill Bannum, host of the HR Chat podcast. And in this special crossover episode, we're going to speak to the leader of an organization that, among other things, helps women professional athletes leverage their skills that they've developed through high level sports to transition into careers with top companies. Yeah, and I'm Jamie Allison. I'm really happy to be doing this with Bill. I'm the host of the Big Idea, Big Moves podcast. This is a destination for high performers. So a really nice link with, uh, with Bill's show as well. Um, really happy to, to be able to uh, introduce Digit a little bit. Digit Murphy uh, is the president and head coach of Ruth, which we'll talk about a little bit today. Um, but you may also know her as the president of the Toronto Six, um, which is uh, a professional women's hockey team in Toronto. Um, she is a legendary brand. Brown University hockey coach and a member of the Cornell Hall of Fame, uh, the first woman to 200 wins and is still on the all-time wing- winningest coach list from the NCAA. Um, she has coached in the CWHL in both North America and China. Won a bunch of Clarkson Cups, which is uh, the the big um, you know the big the big trophy in that league or was, um, and also um, was the creator of uh, a professional women's lacrosse league as well in conjunction with STX. So some. Some, some really cool firsts there, Digit. Yes. So, so thanks for taking the time with us today. But th- that's got to feel good being. Oh, it, you know, it, it feels great. Like when I whenever I hear like all the things, I'm like, oh yeah, I did that. Oh yeah, I did that because I feel like I'm constantly in motion creating the next thing. Everyone's like, well, why don't you write a book? I'm like, I'm too busy creating things and writing about the past. So, you know, I think some of the things that we have to do as women leaders and uh, women who are on the cutting edge of change. Um, you just got to go and you got to say it and you got to tell the truth and you got to always be looking after uh, the next generation leaders. So that's kind of what I've been doing my whole life. Um, and I was, um, you know, I was talking to someone yesterday and they're like, oh, well, I was on a podcast, actually. Like, where did this all come from? I said, you know, where I think it came from back when I was really young and they wouldn't let me wear the little league jersey. You know, I was so upset that, you know, I was a captain on the field and I was doing all these great things as a young nine-year-old girl that and they they didn't let me play in a boys league I was offended so I think that's where the root of this all comes from it's don't I got to get a little league jersey somewhere yeah but anyways it's just you know it's something hits you as a woman sometimes and it's not fair and I think that uh, that was me and there's lots of those I think pivotal moments in women's careers and their lifetime that kind of go unnoticed um you know, by men, because it's not your fault. It's just that we, we have internal needs that aren't met sometimes. And that's what Team Ruth is all about. It's how do we accentuate women's needs and wants after they, they leave the professional ranks of sports or NCAA ranks of sports? And what do they do next? That's what Team Ruth is about. How do they transition their skills they learn in sports as leaders, heroes, and role models at every level? because uh, they're awesome. How do they get to that next level and work in a competitive corporate environment transitioning those skills? You've got a really deep background in in sports and coaching. Um, and now you've got this kind of transition piece into talent and entrepreneurship. Was was that a was that a difficult transition for you? I mean, I know you're doing both right now, yeah. but is, is that a different thing to get your head around when you've had this very different type of, of career to start with? It, it was really hard um, when I first left Brown because, you know, let's face it, I was a rebel. I was a change agent. And, you know, institutions don't really like that. Right. They're like, oh, bad, you know bad energy, but really it's bad for them. It's good for us women, right? So I I struggled a little bit trying to figure out where I was going next. And 
Um, part of being a leader is, is, is learning as you go. You know, I, I feel that until I left Brown, I wasn't totally that lifelong learner that I've become in the last 10 years. And every, every year I would just learn more and more about myself and my wants and needs. And I would take the energy and pretty much, you know, what I learned in sports to just lead in different, in different ways. So, um, started, uh, use the platform for the CWHL head coach to then go into some uh, college advising, helping kids get into college, uh, coaching junior hockey, which looks like a step down. But I was like, you know, I learned a lot about coaching, coaching junior hockey because I learned how to motivate a different set of individuals, which were kids that weren't going division one, which were kids that sometimes didn't have the right outside edge. They couldn't like turn it. So it made me get back to my basic uh, mindset. So that was kind of cool. And then, um, you know, the women's lacrosse thing was just like, why not? Like, let's just do it. Let's take all those lessons that that templated pro league we had in hockey and let's use that sponsorship money because STX was a a leader in change early and they helped us start women's professional lacrosse and then China and this. Like, I'm just really lucky and fortunate that my energy is is noticed and um, I was able to do that. But it it was tough. It was a tough transition. And that's one of the reasons why I want to help women um, who don't know where to go, like when they're in their late 40s, early 50s, or after they have a baby, I want to help them. So did you, you've noticed a difference in the networks and opportunities available to, to high level female athletes versus their male counterparts. Maybe you can tell us a bit about that, what it looked like maybe 10 years ago, where we're at right now, what, what you're hoping to see change. Yeah, and, and that's a great question. Um, and I, I noticed that Brown, when I was there, that the athletes didn't utilize career services. And I always wondered why, because I saw this big connection between the men's side. They didn't really even need career services because they had already established this vast network. You know, you went to Brown, you became an investment banker, or, you know, you just got, you got taken into this like group of men that just took care of each other and got them jobs. And women didn't have that, nor did they understand how to use career services. And that was a big piece of alumni giving back, right? If the men had better jobs and had more money, then the program benefited as well. So I noticed it as a coach, and I also noted it as, noticed it as a woman leader. So I said, what is the issue with that? The issue is that there was no network. Women didn't even want a network because they weren't even thinking about life after hockey. They were so dialed into pleasing the coach and winning and pleasing each other that they kind of lost track of, oh yeah, I got to do something after this. They were just so committed and focused. So that's why Ruth, you know, popped into my head, um, you know, at that point in time, I just noticed it. And as I continued to notice it, transitioning out of the professional ranks, um, transitioning out of NCAA, we said, hey, there's a connection. And how do we take these women who can't take advantage of the resources that are in college how can they take advantage of this this comfortable network that we can all connect with and and then the companies should be also noticing that and and you know that's what Ruth's about and I can't wait to tell more companies which is why I'm on the show okay well let's do it then tell us more about Ruth um so um we get the premise but how, how does it work uh if, if people are interested how do they get involved what's that process look like give, give us give us the whole overview so right now we're in primarily uh, startup mode and we're doing uh, small games, essentially more in Toronto because that's where we are. Right. And we were 
we're lucky enough to be going to be announcing a major um, uh, company in Toronto. I can't, we can't tell you because if we tell you, we have to kill you. But we'll be announcing that we'll be with a major employer in Toronto where what we will do is give these uh, give this company a pool of athletes that they can choose to pick to get a job. So, you know, it's like a, almost like a jobs board, that one piece. But from the athlete's perspective, it's getting athletes from all levels of sports, all sports dialed into this community where they can get their in, they can get their resumes done. They can have, they have an assessment talent tool uh, called Plum, uh, where they can get on there and like kind of figure out what their skill set is. And they also can get a mentor. So what we're trying to do is make it comfortable for these athletes to feel good about themselves, their resumes, their interview skills, and then connect them with the companies that want women athletes because they want them. They just don't know where they are and they don't know how to get them. And yeah, you go on LinkedIn or Indeed, and it's really difficult to kind of call down, to dial into who the athletes are. And one last thing that's really important, and, and Jamie can speak with this because he's been he's been working with a few of my athletes in Toronto, helping them transition. They're very self-deprecating. Like they could be the captain of the Harvard women's hockey team. And that won't be the number one thing on their resume. It will be down buried in the bottom. So these are the kind of, we're trying to build their confidence in how, how athletics really is an asset to companies and leadership. So that, that's quite an interesting reality. Um, many people perhaps would have assumed that um, very successful athletes will be very confident people won't have an issue in terms of projecting their personal brand getting it out there um, being okay with the fact they've got lots and lots of adoring followers and, and that they're okay to make the use, best use of that to build their career um, you're saying that it's the complete opposite they're very humble people um, that's part of their training that's part of their inner belief we're, we're recording a podcast and there's a dog in the background uh, fantastic. <laughs> it's always like that yeah, that's <laughs> she's, a, she's a she's a sports enthusiast dog um but so I, I guess the question in all of that uh if you can still hear me is is why uh what, what why 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 are most uh, successful sports people's personalities like that and why, why then do they need that help so when you look at women athletes they're so conditioned to be team players and not put all the attention on themselves that that transitions later in life they don't want especially in women, like when you're in a locker room and you're the number one player on the team and you're scoring all the goals and all the attention is shining on you, you don't want your other people in the locker room to feel bad. And I think that, I think that's one of the things that happens for women because, um, I don't know, I've been there, you know, I've been one of those women that's been the star, right. And, you know, when I was in college and, it doesn't feel good when the coach is always picking on you. So I think naturally as women, we kind of, we kind of put the light over there and want to shine it on other people. So I think, I think that's a little bit, and it's not all of them, but it's a lot of them. So what Ruth will do is, is help these people figure out the athletes, figure out where their sweet spot is and how to accentuate the positive of what they bring to the table. And I'll, I'll ask something kind of related to that as, as well, but from the company side, Digit, is that, um, you know, a lot of companies may not understand, I, I think, the um, what they might get from an employer, an employer brand standpoint yeah. from having somebody who is, a, you know, an elite athlete or, um, you know, or somebody that has um, some social media prominence, things like that. Is, is that something you see, uh, you know, in, in some of these athletes coming in that can yeah, help it- the organizations? 
I'm telling you, the the work ethic and the commitment of women athletes, and I can't speak for men, right? I really can't because I've only coached women, is they're up earlier because sometimes, to be honest, our ice times or our swimming times are crappy because we're women. So you're getting up at five in the morning instead of seven, right? You're carrying your hockey bags to practice. You're showing up every day. So if you've reached this elite level of an NCAA athlete or professional athlete, you're used to adversity. And these kids, they don't, they never call in sick. They're always showing up. If they're injured, they still show up and watch practice. Like they're not, they're not people that, that aren't part of the team. And I think that's what employers would love when they get athletes on their team. You're getting leaders that are going to speak up. You're getting people that show up. And then I always talk to my kids about this. My, I say kids, my players, I say, look, you just take a job because you're going to get in there. And before you know it, you're going to be the manager or the supervisor because you just, it just happens because you're so used to this environment. And most people aren't, most people are used to being individual contributors, not being on a team. So you are ahead of the curve just by being an athlete. And then when you start to empower them and, and tell them to look at it like that, they become more confident. And then it's once a woman gets uh, rolling, rocking and rolling, you want her on your team and it's going to be hard to keep her. And, and Digit, is it true that, I mean, I think of um, some of your current players and, and things like that. Some of them, um, you know, also have a real, um, uh, or some organizations can use their mm. their presence, I guess, in the market as well, too, or in whatever it is, because some of them are, are pretty well known. And yeah. is that something that some of these organizations, they should be maybe thinking about as well? It, yeah, and, and I don't think that um, a lot of companies view the athletic story as an asset, right? I remember talking to one employer and they're like, well, is she gonna miss any work? And I'm like, well, wait a minute. What's the most important thing? The person or that little transactional work that you're doing? If you take these women into your organization and they feel confident that you believe in them invested, women are loyal. I mean, I've seen so many women be at companies for 20, 25 years. And guess what? That's a benefit to the company because when these people company jump, they're making more money based on their jumps. And women are like, you know, I like this company. I like these people. I'm going to go to the wall for them, especially athletes. They love to be in an environment where it's kind of giving, give, giving back. They love collaboration. So once they find their sweet spot, they're real loyal. So I think companies should really not only use that trait, but also use the fact that they are a professional athlete or they did play at Harvard, Yale or Princeton or wherever they come from because that's a huge asset and it's an asset to their recruiting. So it's a, it's a circle. It's a circle. It keeps coming back to you. And you mentioned in your background that you had, you, you talked about little league, you talked about some of those things. You've been a huge advocate for, um, for women and, and women's sports, but in, in general for a long period of time, how much um, did your own personal experience mm -hmm. contribute to that? Considering you were one of the pioneers in a lot of those areas. Sometimes I wish it didn't, right? Because, you know, if I, I, I go to Cornell, right? And I'll go back to my reunions and they're like, they're already retired. They're my age. They retired like after the dot-com boom, you know, they're all rich. And they're like, I wish I had your job, right? Because I just really grabbed that lack of opportunity that I experienced and wanted to further opportunities for women in sport. And I don't know why, but that has driven me to this day to not ever stop. It's funny because 
if you look at the Digit Murphy brand, I didn't even know it was a brand. That was just me, right? If you look at the Digit Murphy brand, it's all about creating opportunities for underserved and marginalized populations because that was me growing up at nine years old, not being able to wear the Little League. That was me when Title IX happened in 1972. I'm a Title IX baby. I benefited from the law that gave women opportunity, not only in sports, but in education, because Title IX is an educational statute. It's not just a sports statute. Look it up. 37 seconds. Go look at my Instagram at Digi Murphy. But anyways, my point is, is that it was like it was burned into my head that I didn't have those opportunities. And for whatever reason, I was on the planet to help. And I just found that energy and I, and I went with it, which is kind of the other thing we try to teach athletes at Ruth. Find what you love. Find what you're passionate about, because you're going to be awesome at it because you have the skills and the tools to go do whatever you want. And companies hopefully will take advantage of those athletes. I want to pull you up on something you mentioned a little while ago about how uh, women tend to be more loyal. Um, I'm one of those horrible millennials. Okay. And that means that that means I flit around and uh, I like to try and do my own own thing, but secretly I probably need direction. Um, (laughs) um, But, but also um, millennials are known for wanting to have lots of different experiences and and move around Mm. quite a lot. Um, Obviously you're working with millennials and, and, you'll be working with uh, Gen Zers at some point as well um, as they look to transition. Um, both of those uh, age demographics, both of those generations, typically they, they want to get lots of experience. What, what's the conversation that you have with them about, yeah, sure, you'll end up being a leader because you've naturally got those qualities, but actually it's not a bad thing to move away from athletics and try a few different roles within the corporate world and, and find what fits best for you. Yeah. It's, um, it's funny. Um, it's the same conversation, you know, I have with my own children. Just get a job. Just take one. If if you're so focused on this experiential, you know, look at what you feels right. Take the risk. Take the chance. Get out of your comfort zone, which athletes are really good at. We talk about it all the time. Get out of your comfort zone. Go take something and then build on that experience. That's number one. Number two, when we're talking about, um, you know, millennials that's only one category of Ruth, right? Ruth is a community team of people. We'll have people in Ruth that will be my age who played, who played, uh, graduated from 1983. We'll have people from Ruth that graduated in, in 2000, right? So there's different levels and that, those are the more loyal people. And here's why. This is, my, this is my take on it. When you, and this happened to me, when I was at Brown, I had a family um, if I you, traditionally women aren't getting paid as much, right? You establish this nest in your own community. You've got your your childcare. You've got your schools. You know, you've got your house. You've got your partner. Now, if you're going to upend your whole world and move it across the country, it takes a lot. And sometimes women will take less and make less for their their more control of their family. And, you know, maybe people say, think that I'm old school, but I'm telling you right now, that's been my experience and I've watched it happen. I've watched people say, oh yeah, I, I could have a job making $25,000 more in California, but they're like, yeah, I'm not doing it because, you know, my, my husband, Joe is a firefighter. He can't get a job out there. You know, like, it, so they, they, they take a little bit of the, um, uh, the brunt of the family responsibility uh, especially people that are older. I don't know about the millennials these days. I don't even think they're having as many kids. So, you know, but that, that's been my experience. 
I was just going to let the listeners in on my my ongoing yeah. strategy with my dog. She's now let herself into my <laughs> recording, yeah. um, so, so it's all it's all fun and games here. Okay. If you're watching the video, you, you can meet Molly. She's in the background. Yeah, I see you're peeking her head in there too. I see her. <laughs> Very nice. Um, so, digit, you know, one of the one of the other things is um, with the T six with Toronto six. Um, there's a bit of a link here that NWHL, which is the what you know the league that that was part of, has just branded differently which normally is just a it's a rebranding exercise but I, I found it very interesting considering our conversation today because they've removed the gender identifier of women's out of mm-hmm. out of that and and maybe you know can you can you fill us in on that and and what's the the thinking around that because some people I think would probably react oh my gosh like you know we're trying to promote women's sports why would you remove yeah. that but that was intentional from what I understand yeah so they changed the name from the National Women's Hockey League to the premier hockey federation and the idea around that was to be one of the first that actually put that de-emphasized the women and emphasized the people we are great hockey people we're not women we're we're people we're humans we play hockey why do we have to be identified as women hockey players we're awesome we're not we're we're not just awesome hockey players we we just happen to be women okay so I think that was the idea behind it. And the thing, the uh, big slogan that they're saying is uh, no labels, no limits. We don't want to label ourselves as women. We want to just label ourselves as hockey players. And we want people to know that we're here. We're leaders, heroes and role models in the community. And we don't just want to be women leaders and role models. We just want to be leaders. So that's that's the case. And I, I always hearken back to when I first it's so funny how history kind of repeats itself, but doesn't because Back when I first started at Brown in 1989, yes, I'm that old, um, we were Brown women's hockey, women's hockey, and they were just Brown hockey. And I was always like, why are they just hockey and we're women's hockey? Why are we identified as women? So I would always complain about that. I'd be like, they should be Brown men's hockey or we should be just Brown hockey. Like it was just like this ongoing argument. I mean, again, like I said, I came out of the womb like this. So. they changed it to Brown men's hockey. And if you look now, and it wasn't just me doing it, other people are complaining. I'm just, you know, telling you the context. But now it's funny, they're taking, they're probably gonna be taking the ponytail out of a lot of a lot of these like icons that have women. They're gonna be taking the lady bulldogs. Like I've always hated that. You know, always hated the lady bulldogs or the lady Northmen. That was a real that was the really funny one. My kids high school. We are the lady Northmen. I'm like, what the hell is that? <laughs> or, you know, at Providence College, they used to be called the Lady Friars. I'm like, they're the nuns. They're not the Lady Friars. They're the nuns. But anyways, I'm just saying, like, those are the examples that we had back in the day. And now it, it tickles me to death that, you know, they're taking the woman out and and we're one of the, the first. So I'm just uh, I'm really proud of our owners and our commissioners to get ahead of that and to be real change agents in the game. And um, yeah, it's it's awesome. Uh, so I hope more people, the, the one thing that I will say, and I, I know change is hard, change is hard. You got so many naysayers out, that, out there right now because, oh, this is a bad name. I'm like, look, here's the deal. The NHL is the men's hockey league and people identify the NWHL, they know automatically it's the women's hockey league. So yeah, it's gonna take a while for them to get it. But just like Ruth, I was like, what's Ruth? I'm like, you'll know soon enough, right? It's like, it's like the name will be synonymous with who you are. So I'm not worried about people not getting on the bus, but I am happy that, that we're driving the bus in a different direction. 
we do want to make sure that we kind of talk about mm. Ruth a little bit here uh, and what's coming up, Digit. So, so maybe in that kind of 60 seconds or less, um, you know, what, what's on the horizon for, for Ruth and, and what should we expect to see and maybe how do, how do companies get involved? Yeah, so um, we were in, in the beginning of September, we are rebranding, we're relaunching Ruth. Uh, we will be doing podcasts, we will be doing Zooms uh, to get these athletes engaged in the process now. We have over 100 athletes that we have in the community teams right now. We called it community teams. We, we trademarked that word instead of communities, we're community teams. Um, and companies can get involved by just getting going to our website, www.teamruth.co, www.teamruth.co, and just signing up for uh, a meeting with us to kind of talk about how we can help you get access to these community of, this community of athletes. Because we have kids from Harvard, I always say kids, sorry, athletes from Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Cornell, uh, McGill, U of T, like we are gonna, our idea is to have all representation from all sports. And there's also a, a DNI initiative where we are going to get at least 20% of our total athletes uh, have a DNI um, component to it. So, you know, it's a lot, it's, it's aggressive, but you would never expect anything less from a coach and a group of athletes to be aggressive and to come win that championship, which to us is to populate the planet with more women in corporate that can help lead. That's a great kind of overview of it. I know that um, you're doing really good work with those uh, athletes so far. I know you've already helped a lot of them. And uh, yeah. um, I think the organizations are, are really going to benefit from this when it moves forward. Yeah. Um, and so I, I just want to say that if you want women and you want women to help your organization grow, you will hire a Ruth community team member because they will not disappoint you because they've been handpicked by us. We only produce winners. <laughs> Thanks for your energy, Digit. Uh, Bill, any, any last questions or anything else you want to you know, bring forward there? Just to, to reiterate, thank you so much for joining us today, uh, Digit. We've, we've had a great time. We've, we've learned a lot. We, we think you are doing some awesome things for the community and helping, helping uh, uh, women athletes move into awesome careers. And uh, we look forward to getting you on the game very soon. Oh, you're, you're awesome. Thanks, you guys, for having me. Thanks Love so it. much, Digit. Peace, Bye. Bye. Bye.